Welcome, friends, to another episode of The Conversation. Today, my special guest is Dina Porterfield. She's the president of Roberts Wesleyan College and Northeastern Seminary. This is a post she took in the summer of 2014 after many years and different executive roles at the Azusa Pacific University in the city of Los Angeles. Her undergraduate work was in music at Azusa Pacific, and then she went on to get a master's and a doctorate in organizational leadership at the University of Laverne. She serves on a number of boards and has been recognized with a number of awards, including the Rochester Business Journal's 2018 Women of Excellence Award. Thanks, Dina, for joining me today for this conversation. Thank you. Great to be here. Before we dive into, I guess, all things college, I know we're here we are in August. Um, I just should ask you about your family, your husband, Doug, your adult kids. I don't think your kids are even live in Rochester, but how is the Porterfield family in this, I don't know, month five in the coronavirus? Well, we're doing good. Yes, uh, Doug and I have been working and living together uh, in a new way mm. since uh, COVID, and, and that's been really good for us uh, to be together, right? I do a lot of travel for the college and the seminary. He is the volleyball coach at Roberts Wesleyan College, and so he travels and I travel, and, and we find that path. And this has been a time where we could be together, even though we're really working hard, uh, trying to keep our prospective jobs moving forward. We have two children, two daughters. Uh, our oldest daughter lives in Northern California. She is married, and we have three grandchildren, and we have a brand new grandson that came during COVID. Wow. And we have not seen him yet, other than Ugh. through Facebook. And Does he live in New York State? He lives in California. Oh, mm. And so it's really... You know, I will say those three grandchildren, that's really hard. And mm. it's, I think the challenge in this season is not seeing him in, we'll probably see him, I don't even know at Christmas. So wow. it may be a year before we see him uh, face to face. Our youngest daughter actually lives in Rochester oh, nice. and uh, she is married as well and almost married for a year this October. And she's a graduate of Roberts Wesleyan College and mm. Um, is an admissions counselor, mm. and she's married to a nurse uh, who mm. works here locally at Rochester mm. Regional, and nice. we're um, so very lucky and fortunate to have them here. We do see them, but I'm pretty good at the social distancing, so um, we meet on the back patio, and mm. you know, if, especially because he's in the healthcare profession, right. trying to make sure that we do the distancing the right way. You know, it makes me think about you not seeing your grandkids in California. I don't know if someone's written articles about this, but how many, um, you know, other consequences that we're not thinking about, you know what I mean? You know, secondary, right. tertiary consequences, losses, you know, right. um, that we are stacking up in people's lives that aren't about your paycheck, that aren't about, you know, some of the most immediate concerns that are just, we, you know, they're just, you never thought about it. You know, who would right. think in our, you know, sort of, um, you know, relatively um, mobile culture and, and, you know, comfortable culture that you wouldn't, you'd have a grandchild you would not be able to see for maybe- A year. A year. Right. You know, that's just one of many things that people yeah, miss. And, and I think the disappointing piece was, um, so this is our third grandchild um, in the same family unit. And the other two, you know, they we'd go and they'd be delayed. And so then we'd leave and we'd miss the birth and have to go back later. Right. This one, it was all aligned perfect. Ugh. We were going to be there. It was going to be perfect. And um, our daughter actually has commented on uh, her sadness in mm. that, in realizing that 
we will not be able to meet him and he will not be able to meet us until yeah. later. Yeah. So well, that's rough stuff. Fortunately for him, he won't know any of this. Hopefully. I hope not. Well, but, you know, you, know, you want to hold them when they're little course. and not squirmy. Of course. <laughs> um, so let's dive in to talk about your um, top agenda item. That is your, your work. Yeah. What is your biggest worry mm. and best hope for the coming school year? So I think probably the biggest concern I have for the school year coming up is our ability to to ensure the safety of students and their personal responsibility in that. That makes sense. So we have a plan. I think the plan is very strong. I think it aligns with all the requirements of, of New York State um, and we're set. But if, if students or faculty and staff come and they bring a different perspective or position on some of the things we're requiring, it could put the institution and other students and faculty and staff at risk. Right. So what might be irritating to some when we say, hey, your mask needs to be above your nose, or hey, you need to be social distanced, or hey, yeah, you need to not go in and out of different people's offices and rooms, um, people are going to really need to abide by those expectations mm. and those standards. And so um, I think that's the question is is our ability to enforce that and make sure right. that everyone's on the same team. My hope is that at Roberts, we are such a community and everybody is caring for each other. I think we can do it. Mm. So my greatest concern is actually offset by my greatest hope that we will come together because students want to be back physically. Right. They have articulated that. They want to be there. And so if you want to be there, you're going to take on that responsibility right. and do it the correct way. Hmm. So when you think about, I'm sure you've thought a lot about the coronavirus. You know, <laughs> Too much. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, what do you think will be the... Um, will change forever. We, we all hope that we'll get past this semester. Maybe there'll be a vaccine. I don't know if it's this year or whatever. I mean, next year, whatever it's going to be. Tomorrow, maybe. Tomorrow would be wonderful. <laughs> um, but at some point, we hope, even if it's as long as for your work or my work, it's you know 2021, that we're going to be back to normal. But are there things that you're thinking, planning, wondering that will forever change because of this um, pandemic in, in, in your work? I think, you know, there are always roles and responsibilities within organizations that historically you said, oh, that would never work for that person to telecommute or for that, to, you know, that person to be um, virtual in a different way. The, the coronavirus changed all that. Everybody was virtual. Now, there are some things that you still can't do virtually, right? You can't have a residential experience and right. everybody be virtual. Um, you can't do admissions visits. I mean, you can with some some videos, but it's not the same, right? right. I mean, there's some positions that you have that way. But I think um, the perspective of how employees do work, how they can be productive and how that interfaces. So I think the future of all organizations is how you have a hybrid population uh, that works together and how to keep them connected. But I think, um, you know, there's lots of, of things that have been written over the years about higher education. Um, what we're finding is, you know, that there's a population that would like to continue online, but this has clearly shown that there's a population that wants to stay face to face and on campus. <clears throat> and so I think the, um, 
the changes that are coming are how do we offer programs that meet the needs of students in this changing world? Um, how do we continue to deliver that in an affordable and accessible way? You know, Roberts is very fortunate, Northeastern Seminary, very fortunate that we were already doing some online environments and had online programs. This just expanded it across the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, there's going to be a question about how we continue to hybrid that mm-hmm. and make the programs that students want in the delivery that they want. Okay. Um, I also, you know, when I was thinking about this, I thought what also is going to change forever is how we care for each other. Mm-hmm. Right? right? I mean, so when you think about this environment where we have been isolated, every person, you know, the thing about a pandemic is every person was impacted by this. This isn't something happened out here. Every person had an impact on this. And so how we have learned to um, care for each other and what that will look like in the future when we're back together is going to be really important. Mm. And I think part of the Part of the experience, yeah. it's going to have to change. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Christian education. You know, um, how important today, you, you know, you've been in this work, you know, for 25, 30 years, whatever it's been, how important today <laughs> yeah. is a, a Christian education in your point of oh, view? Oh, man. So, you know, in my mind, Christian education is about a transformational experience for a student in all areas of their life, including their spiritual life so that they then can go outside and transform the world, Mm. right? Um, So I'm a product of Christian higher education, graduated from a Christian university. Mm -hmm. I've spent 33 years in Christian higher education. Mm. And um, what I believe is that we were created not just with our mind um, for education and to learn and to want knowledge, and not just with our hands to go and serve, but that there's this connection of our heart and the Mm. spiritual journey that God calls us on. Mm -hmm. Now, for some people, they may not call that the same faith I have, but I believe God's created every person in Mm -hmm. their spirit to have a need for a relationship that's deeper than just an external relationship with those we know. Mm -hmm. Christian education, and specifically Roberts and Northeastern, connect all of those aspects, right, of your life. So at Roberts and Northeastern, I like to say, graduates uh, leave knowing how to connect their head to their heart and engaging their hands in service, right? Mm-hmm. Those three things together. So, I mean, look at what's happening right now. I know. We don't need just head knowledge and we don't right. need just service. We need right. a connection space with the faith and what God's called us to do to make a difference. And if you don't have the faith component and you or you don't have a spiritual center of what that looks like, your service can um, can be misdirected, mm-hmm. right? Um, as you fight against injustice, as you fight for equality for people. And um, you can do that in a way when you connect all three through intellectual and spiritual humility, mm-hmm. which is saying, I can go to a conversation and learn something versus just advocate against something. Right. That's the difference. And I think you learn that at Christian higher education. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you. I think we're of the same generation, but and maybe I'm just getting to that place. You know, when you say you start talking like your parents or something, yeah. but I get this sense at this stage in my life that as I in, engage with the um, you know the prevailing culture, um, that if there was ever a need, whether you know you don't have to go to a Christian college or university to get a Christian education, I no. suppose, but that's what we're talking about. But it seems like if there was ever a need for people to be, you know, to learn how to think in a, 
in a right way, if that's the best way to say it, if you're a follower of Christ, to know how to know who you are, and to know who you are in in, in as a as a um, son or daughter of God, who you are in, in as a as God's creation, and are empowered to have some sense of confidence and and clarity and understanding of what truth is. I mean, all these things that we, mm-hmm. it seems like if there was ever a time that we needed that kind of clarity and ultimately engagement, as you were talking about justice, it's now. I feel like some, again, maybe I'm just showing my age. I feel like I'm I'm living almost in a different world mm. than we lived in right. 10 or 20, 30 years ago. Right. And I think that's the piece, this idea, actually, um, we've launched at Roberts, um, an Institute of Intellectual and Spiritual Humility. Mm. And that institute is specifically around Standing against injustice, but finding a way to do that where you can engage the conversation and hear the other person and also go to the conversation and understand there may be something for you to learn. Mm. What you see out and you, you really see it right now with the polarization of opinion, right? right? right. And I call it throwing up on somebody right. where you are unedited and you just spew out and there's no accountability for that. Right. Intellectual and spiritual humility says, I come to the conversation to learn something new Right. And to understand your opinion. And we've uh, labeled it intellectual and spiritual humility because yeah. we believe the church is as split and divided and polarized mm. as right. as the community. Right. So our goal is to write some curriculum for our own campus to teach our students even more intentionally than we already do mm-hmm. about how to do that. And those are things like curiosity and listening right. and a humble spirit. But you're never going to understand another person's opinion if you start with how they're wrong right. and what um, what they said and, and go into argument with them. Right. Seek to understand before you Correct. seek to be understood. But I, I mean, but I will I will say that doesn't mean that you don't stand against injustices. Right. 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 When there's a an injustice done against somebody, mm-hmm. you must stand on that. Mm-hmm. But that's blurred into every area and aspect of our community at this point. And we've lost the ability to listen, to close our mouth, right. and to take in what's really happening, to hear the pain and the anguish and the concern of others. Yeah, We're more concerned about articulating our point and making sure that we're right. Yeah. You know, even in light of, you know, the... the um racial tensions that have been also a part of this last hundred days or more, that the heightened awareness I would just say for myself I would I would like to consider myself a generally speaking a mm-hmm. thoughtful enlightened person but like a lot of other people um, maybe you others um, you know I've tried to educate myself a little bit more you know read right. some books right had some conversations just on this issue of race in America and I would say you know um, that I have not just learned a few things like, you know, uh, you know what happened in the 1960s or the mm. 1860s. I might have learned some of that too, but I mean, we actually learned something about what it means to be mm-hmm. a black person in America and um, what, you know, whatever terms we use, some of us don't like systemic racism or structural, you know, these all these terms that, that, that throw us off. But I would have to say, I have learned some things um, that indirectly or ultimately do implicate me. But other words, that about the world that I live in, the water right. that I swim in, right. that I did not have a conscious awareness of before. So I just say all that to yeah. say back to your thing about intellectual curiosity and being willing to learn and not judge. 
But what worries me about this, I don't know what you think as, a, as someone who's over an academic institution, is, you know, I'm, it takes time right. to, to um, learn. It takes time to educate ourselves, especially if it's beyond our experience, right? It's, it's really about, let's say, if we're talking about racism, it's about the country we live in and the history of America and things that are very subtle and that, you know, you this idea that you're born at a certain place in, in, the, in the hierarchy, whatever you want to say, however you want to look at it. If those things are true and you've never thought about them before, then you, you don't just come to that conclusion overnight. And you really have to learn, and this is what worries me, and you just said this, but we dive ourselves into these heated conversations. Mm -hmm. We've taken positions um, that, um, and we're arguing positions without really having a thoughtful right. understanding of what's going right. on. Yeah. There's there's trigger phrases and yeah. all of a sudden, you know, you know, the argument about even saying that Black Lives Matter, right? right. And, and those pieces and where that just went and still is, which right. is crazy. I think the challenge and... You know, in higher education, every year you bring in a quarter of a student body that's brand new that comes from all different perspectives. Mm. And you have a period of time to help shape and um, and challenge them to think and learn differently, mm -hmm. right? But every year you're doing that same work, mm. right? They come from different theological backgrounds. They come from different perspectives, different communities, uh, diverse and non-diverse. And you have to bring that all together. And that is a challenge in, in higher education. But... I think, you know, what I love about Robertson Northeastern is it's in our founding 154 years ago, right? I mean, B.T. Roberts, this is what he was about. Mm. He um, was a, a Methodist pastor. I don't know if you know much about him. He was a Methodist pastor, and um, he actually had some theological positions that were different than the Methodist church. Mm. And he and a few colleagues, he and his wife, Ellen, and a few colleagues founded in a, in a, a field near Albion, New York— the Free Methodist Church. Huh. And the Free represented um, the abolitionist movement that they were a part of. Mm. It represented women in leadership, even in the church. This mm. is the 1800s. Wow. Um, it represented um, free church attendance. Because at that time, if you had money, you could purchase a pew. Interesting. And if you didn't have money, you stood in the back, maybe mm. in the cold area. And he was a real advocate for the poor. But what he was really clear on was... We're anchored in Scripture, right? The Word of God is is what we base our foundational thinking on. But because and because we are clear on that, mm. we can engage in a community where people are in differing opinions. Mm. So it shouldn't scare us to be right. in those conversations. We shouldn't have to remind everybody huh. what our position is right. because it's really clear. Mm. It's clear what we and and that's true at Robertson Northeastern. We're clear mm. on who we are, but mm. that gives us the freedom to engage in the conversations we need to engage in. Mm. So speaking of, you talked about the student body every year. You get a, a crop in, and I'm, I don't. <laughs> um, what does you've been? You know, you've been in higher education. You said for thirty plus years, but Roberts for you're starting your seventh year, yeah, right? Seventh year. Um, what does the the student body today or these years, last year, this year, the last handful of years, what does it tell you? What do they tell you about the state of America? Mm. Uh, that there are varying of you, there are varying views and that um, at least on our campus, that um, there are different ways to approach issues. Mm. So we have, of course, the advocates and we have those that are trying to build community and um, wanting to make sure that there's peace within the community, right? 
And those that understand that challenging the system is also a way of having peace in the community, but trying to find those differences. Um, this generation cares about community and they will stand for an injustice done against somebody that they know. I think that um, sometimes the challenge is um, they don't have the what's been modeled is that you just go straight to the top and that you don't do the research and do your own learning related to that, which is why this intellectual and spiritual humility right. is so important. But there is such a passion in this generation. Mm. I mean, they want to make a difference. They right. want to leave a legacy. Right. They want to take their um, degree and go change the world. Mm. And not that my generation didn't want right, to change it, right. but what they have access to mm -hmm. is beyond what I could have ever thought of. Right. I mean, there were people doing study abroad, maybe a handful when I was right, a student, right. but it's just every student comes with a perspective and a, and a more broadening um, idea of what the world could be because of the devices they have, because right. the access they have. And that, I think, is a real benefit to higher education mm. because they bring that energy and they bring that with them. Mm. Um, I think they will stand by any student that is being, if they understand it and fully can see it, they will stand against injustice for any student and any colleague that they mm. have. Mm. Um, and what does the student body, follow-up question, um, tell you, I know about the state of the church today, and let me mm -hmm. add to that, I know that you don't have to be a Christian, I suppose, right. to come to, no. to Roberts Wesleyan College, but you know, uh, I'm sure many, many are. So what, what, what do you learn as you mix with your student body? What does it tell us right. about the state of the church in America today? So it's, it's interesting because I was thinking it'll be interesting this fall because I've always said um, Roberts is not the church. Our job is to prepare women and men for within their profession in an integrated faith uh, way, but to encourage them to go be in a local church, right? Because when they graduate, they need to be connected in a local church. That's right. what it's about. That's right. how you, you know, serve out. And so it's going to be really fascinating through this COVID environment. Right. What does it look like to be a member of a church in a virtual environment and right. really find community? Um the students that I talk to um, that talk about their engagement in church, um, they're looking for connection. They're looking for a church that has action, that's mm -hmm. taking action, right? Mm -hmm. They're looking for a church that's doing work that's relevant, mm -hmm. what they perceive to be relevant in the world. So you're serving in the community, a place where they can make a difference. But there's also that component of a small group where they can be known. Mm. And I think one thing COVID has done, if we really do this the right way, is we can, even on our campus where we had chapel, and we're not going to be able to do chapel in the same way, that we can maximize the small groups so that students can be known in small groups. Um, nor normally or historically, we did chapel Monday and Wednesday in a large auditorium, and Friday was a small conversation group in a cafe uh, at Pierce Church right on the corner. Mm. And um, that became a very popular group because it was the debriefing of what the messages were. So we're trying to get creative on what is a virtual message that can be debriefed into small groups, mm. right, across campus so that students can really get into that detail. 
you know, we know our faith grows not just by going, it has to go by interacting and right. by understanding God's word and, and challenging ourselves to be different. Mm. You know, it's interesting, you mentioned earlier about care, how that might be one of the lessons of COVID. And I'm, I've am i been thinking as a pastor, what what are, what is God up to? And I, I'm not so sure it isn't what you just said, that is to say, hopefully the day will come when we're <laughs> back doing, let's say, corporate worship. But of course, the core of the core of the church is what you just said. Right. It is... Um, you know, the one another passages. It's caring for people, it's loving people, it's accepting them, it's teach, speaking the truth in love, et cetera. And, you know, in the busyness of church life, in the busyness of the pace of modern life, you know, sometimes churches, you know, this one too, can, um, that becomes secondary or right. tertiary. And we're all worried about, you know, the, the, you know, putting on the uh, Sunday experience or whatever. Right. And all of a sudden, boom, full stop. And uh, so I have, e even we've talked about here, you know, it's kind of what's old is new again. You know, it's kind of like the doctor version of the house call. And I'm saying right. to our to our team, listen, um, I'm starting to, maybe this is, I don't know, some might think this is a little stretch, but I mean, uh, where people feel comfortable having people over my house for dinner. Now that mm, sounds as old yeah. as dirt, right. come to the pastor's <laughs> house for dinner, right? But right. but I don't know that I've done that as much in, except now I'm saying one of the only ways I can connect with people, and not, not that it's just about the pastor, but that I can do it is have them over in a, you know, socially distanced dinner, whatever the case may be, how are you doing and, and having breaking bread and praying for them. Right. And what are versions of that, you know, and even my small group is an example. We, busy life, busy lives, I mean, these couples, family, individuals in my small group, and we've we've more or less stayed doing every other week thing. Some, if you miss everyone, then you're then it's once a month for you. Right. Um, since COVID started, um, we have decided to meet every week now by Zoom, and we maybe had a couple gatherings just recently, our group is actually closer right, than right. it was four months ago. So it makes me wonder if there isn't something to what you're saying, and maybe this is a corrective, right. at least to the church. I don't know so much about the school, but right. really it's about care. Well, and you're, I think we're going to have to be creative, right? Because, I mean, churches and organizations have had small groups in the past, right? right of course. Church ministry, home ministry, right. I mean, all of those things. And um, we were in ministry for years. My husband was a music minister, and so we've been on staff. And I mean, I remember all of those, I don't want to call them, you know, kind of seasons of the church. Right, right. right. Um, what I feel like was is- Was he on staff during the contemporary traditional- Oh, you know, yeah, wait, oh, where boy. the drums came on yeah, the stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. we got all the anonymous notes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. all those. All right. um, but, uh, you know, what's, what's so interesting about that is that it almost feels like you know, all those things you said you couldn't do wouldn't have worked, right? We're, this isn't going to be part of the ministry because, yeah, that's an idea. Now it's all neutral. And so what could work? And I think I'm anxious for the students to get back, the student leaders, right? We've been having conversation with them and student life and the teams and talking about how things are going to look. But to really um, hear from them about as we move through the semester, what's working and what's not and what could be better because the components of, of Robert's education, whether it's virtual or face-to-face, -face, um, does integrate your academic life with your um, spiritual life and then how you then engage that. Mm -hmm. And so how we engage that uh, is going to look different as well, even as we serve and have those opportunities for yeah. students. 
So this may be an obvious question, but I'll ask it anyway. You know, in your last six years, starting your now seventh year, um, what would you say is your greatest challenge that you have faced? <laughs> well, I thought I had challenges before, but let yeah. me just say um, there is nothing like a pandemic. Yeah. And um, I've said often that um, I, you know, I really did think, oh, this has been really rough or this was a hard season. Mm -hmm. um, there is nothing like a crisis where you have to move your entire organization off campus. And when state and county um, decisions are coming at you and you must make adjustments um, and care for the community you have. And I, I mean, I'll just say uh, leadership is hard. Right. And, um, you know, the the statement that has been said to me is the higher, the more leadership you have, the more responsibility you have to absorb the pain of others. Wow. And I'll just say in this seat, when there is absolutely no uh, certainty for anyone in their own personal life, mm. um, there is an absorption that you have to do because there has to be a place to go. Mm. And uh, thank goodness for our faith, we can go there. But it, when when we have anxiety and that, my greatest concern right now is the well-being of our faculty, staff, and students and what that's going to look like. Mm. Because um, we have all been in a traumatic experience right. personally, and each of us have experienced that differently. Right. And our personalities and, and how we move through that, um, not, none better or worse, but they're all different. And so fear and anxiety, I believe, um, have, have begun to take a hold of parts of our communities. Mm. And um, I believe in spiritual warfare. I'll just tell you that. Grew up mm. Pentecostal, but I really believe yeah, yeah. in spiritual warfare. And I think to, to grab hold, it doesn't mean we shouldn't be cautious and it doesn't mean throw everything to the wind. I mean, you need to be responsible related to COVID. But I, I truly believe that... Um, that we're not called and God doesn't intend for us to be so confined in fear that we don't step out of our own um, space. Well, you know, it just made me, when you said that great line about absorbing uh, the pain of others as a leader, this is what I thought of it, just because I recently read it. Um, Moses in Exodus 32, 33, 34, you know, um, he's a leader, obviously, and he's dealing with people who are panicked mm -hmm. and were panicked, you know, the golden calf. But as you think, as I thought about it, you know, um, you could look at that as just, you know, selfish, foolish, superficial, you know, people that are doing something stupid. But you also could look at it as people who had a true spiritual crisis yes, because their leader personified in this man, remember there was no Bible back then. You know right, what I mean? Right. There was, the covenant wasn't even, you know, uh, cut yet, so to speak. So that man who has represented the voice of God for them for all these years through those great um, journeys out of Egypt is gone. Right. I think Exodus 32 says, this man, we don't know where he is. So um, then on that, that tragedy happens. It's a great failure. Moses is at first very angry and deeply disappointed and ready just to say, give me a new job. Right. <laughs> but then he has this beautiful prayer in Exodus 33 that says, you know, God um, God sort of, you know, um, I don't know, gets enters into a conversation and says, let's start all over again. And Moses says, no, don't forget who these people are. Don't forget. Mm. In other words, he goes to bat for these people right. that he had understandable frustration for and understandable um, anger toward maybe even, but he demonstrates his love. He demonstrates his empathy. 
and that turns the situation around. So anyway, I, yeah. I, I love what you yeah. said. I don't, I don't, I don't love it as a leader myself because yeah. it's, but it's a great. Um, it's it's tough. the The word that um, some of my colleagues in other um, inst at other institutions in the same role, the word we have for this season season is it's relentless. Yeah. Um, I mean, it just doesn't stop. And I think you know, without I will just say, without my faith, I don't know that I could do the job because. Um, it is, I mean, no one's happy. I'm just going to tell you that. Yeah. No one is happy. Yeah. No one's come to me and said, I am happy with that decision that you yeah. made. Um, they've said, I'm praying for you, Yeah. which is an encouragement to right. me. Um, but most decisions right now, I mean, all decisions right now, because everyone has their own personal investment in in that decision, Right. Um, impacts them in some way. So you might have just answered this question, but I'll you can go further. How does your faith mm -hmm. influence your leadership? And maybe how has it, maybe how have you had to draw on it deeper in this season? Yeah. So um, I've always, um, in my own spiritual practice and spiritual formation, kind of my um, parameters of life that, that that allow me, if I that I do a check on that say, okay, if I'm doing these things, then I'm able to fulfill God's call and, and what he's asked me to do. Those are things like sleep, exercise, devotions, uh, eating well, right? And then speaking, because I'm pretty extroverted. I like to talk a lot. And so having somebody to talk to through things. So if I'm getting stressed, I take a look at those five things and say, okay, um, is this a real issue or am I not doing my part by making sure I'm caring for myself and doing what God's really said, if you do these things, this makes you, you know, fulfill your call better. Mm -hmm. um, let's just say that the pandemic washed a lot of that away, right? Mm. Because all of a sudden, um, the everything blurred. You're at home. You never stop, right? right. The, you don't have a phone on your desk. All of a sudden, it's texting and FaceTime and everything's happening to get these urgent decisions that have a deadline that are coming from a governor, Right. Right. <laughs> or, right. you know, or from a county executive and you needed to make that move. So um, what happened fairly quickly for me was um, after kind of the initial crisis is making sure that I um, began to understand where I needed to create the space in my day uh, to put those things in and hold them accountable. Mm. Um but it it was a journey. I will say um, I'm I'm very clear on what that is right now, mm. and um, I also just came off of a little bit of a rest, and I think that helped me Good. reposition that. Um, did you guys get out of town or no? We did nice. in New York State, right? Of course. All right. All right. Good. <laughs> but we did. We were up where there was no internet, Wonderful. and I had no social media, no email, and it was the best thing that I could have done. Um, just to kind of reposition that. Um, great. One of the things in, uh, that that I've also done is trying to step away from the workspace in the home, mm -hmm. right? Because it's so easy just to walk into that space because I've never done that. And so once it got set up in the den, right. that's just where I went and, you know, got a break and ate and then came back right back in and kept going. And so I think managing that, but my, um, I cannot, I've said it multiple times, I cannot imagine this season without a faith. Yeah. I, I just, you know, there you there's levels of things that I think in our lives that we try to rationalize or say, I can manage this and I can manage this. There is nothing about this that is manageable right. with our own strength. That's right. And so the only place you have yeah. to go yeah. is to your faith. Yeah. And um 
And that is, I mean, and I think that's the the hopefulness for yeah. these students coming back because right now the reminder that God is present in this, even right. if I don't understand it. Right. That is a hopeful message. Yes. Right? That's yeah. hopeful. I read just yesterday um, 2 Corinthians 1 where Paul was talking about, he said something, it's a paraphrase, you know, he was in trouble, he was challenged, and he said, you know, we were we had in ourselves the sentence of death. Yeah. Talking about persecution. Oh. And he said, but um, we... Um, we relied on God and not on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And God delivered us. And I thought, what a beautiful line. I mean, this guy, you know, assuming we take him at his word, but even at that point, he had to say, we relied not on ourselves. Mm -hmm. I assume he meant that, you know, down to the dregs, you know, but on God who then delivered us. And um, so I don't wish for you and for me and for others in the whole world to be in this. Um, challenging place, but if it means I'm going to rely on God more, right. yeah, um, and that's what you just said. And for your students, I hope that's the case. So I want to end with a couple quick questions that are sort yes. of move us in a positive end on a positive note. Um, you know, <laughs> Was in a that sense, not no, no, but I mean, <laughs> on a non-challenging, uh, you know, let's look beyond the coronavirus. And oh yes, first please. one is. Um, you, I know you guys have a theme every year. Yes. So as you move into um, now, what will be at the time of this broadcast? You know, you'll be in your new year. What is the twenty twenty one Roberts theme? Yes. So every year there's a theme and a verse that uh, or verses that we anchor into. And as I was praying and meeting with some um, advisors on this. You know, I just kept coming back to, in many ways, we're in this space of building and rebuilding and making things happen. And and this idea that, um, you know, we're crying, I, I will say, I'm crying out to God saying, where do we go and how do we make these decisions? And God is hearing us, right? And so as you build on that, um, you start to realize that God is present, right? That he's here, that he's in all of this. And if I can really release that, my control, my responsibility, and say, okay, God, I know you're here. I know you're present. Um, that I can have a hopefulness, uh, an anchored hopefulness, not a not a, a fake hopefulness, right. a true hopefulness in my spirit to say, even if I don't understand it, even if it's challenging, even if it's positive, whatever it is, you are here. So our theme for this year is God is here. God is here. He's here on our campus. He's mm. here in our personal lives. He right. is here right. wherever that is and whatever's happening. Right. And our anchor verse for that is out of Isaiah. And many people know this um, out of Isaiah, and I'll just uh, say it right here. It is Isaiah 40, right? Verses uh, 28 to the end of the chapter. Um, do you not know, have you not heard that the mm. Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the heavens and earth? Even youth grow tired and weary, um, the young um, stumble and fall, but those that wait on the Lord, those that hope in the Lord, there's different versions that say that, will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. Mm. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Mm. God is here. Mm. And if we... If we allow him to be present in our lives, yeah. and if we are dependent on that, then even in our weariness, yeah, he is he's here. Yeah. I you mean, know. how 
Uh, so that's our theme. Yeah. And um, it's amazing what God does with the themes um, because somehow through that year you go, oh, this is why <laughs> we had that yeah. theme. Um, but if nothing else, I want it to be, my prayer is that it's an anchor for our faculty, yeah, staff, and, you and know, students. Yeah, and you know, in a sense, isn't this the, what you just said, isn't that the very essence of the Christian gospel Right. That, that, you know, um, God is with us, you know, Emmanuel, and and he's with us, of course, in the incarnation, his death and resurrection, his life. The whole point is we have a God who who right. is tempted in all ways, just like we, right. who knows what it's like to right. um to, you know, um walk the 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 the, the roads of, of this life. And um and now we, you know, we need to we need to take hold of that. Right. We don't have a God who's out there. Right. Who's, you know, indifferent or, you know, um, you know, remote from our, our suffering. That's the whole point of the right. Christian message. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you fluctuate like he is present or God. No, God. I mean, let's be very clear on who it is we're talking about. Yeah. And and present or here. I mean, here is, I mean, he's here. Yeah. And that's a confidence that yeah. God is is with us, like you said, yeah. in what that is. So um, I'm just going to pray that. And, you know, yeah. there's um, there's a song, Waymaker, that many yeah. churches Beautiful. sing. Yeah. And, um, and that song aligns for me. You know, even when I can't see him, he's working. Even when I can't feel him, he's mm. working, right? Mm-hmm. He never stops. Right. And he makes, in fact, the very first line is, God is here. Mm. That's a, how the song starts, mm-hmm. right? And so um, music for me is really important, and it's one of the things that takes me into the presence of God. Mm. And so um, that's on my autoplay right now, um, right. and it's uh, part of what just is anchoring me in this time. And my prayer is that wherever students, faculty, and staff are in their own journey, because yep. we're always in different places at different mm-hmm. times, that... Knowing that God is here, that that just relieves some of that stress and anxiety as they move through the day. And we can Mm. remind each other of that. Mm. So um, quick question. People probably ask you, maybe this is a fun time to ask it. um, (laughs) What what do you love about your job? Oh, I love the people. Mm. And uh, I absolutely love the people. And that's why I'm so excited to have been back on campus this week after five months out. I know, you told me that. That's unbelievable. I mean, even though my door is shut and I'm just... You know, right. it's just knowing people are there. Yeah. Um, so it it really is about the people and the and and watching lives change uh for the better and be transformed in that's a great. way that's unbelievable. Great. So maybe as a final question for fun too, to people to get to know a little bit about you. Um what's the um what's the best book you've read mm. um in the last hundred days, whether it's a maybe a recommendation or not, but you know. Right. Um, so, you know, I did a lot of traveling, so I was always audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So I've not been traveling. There's not enough time for audiobooks uh, down the stairs. Right. <laughs> right? right. And so um I actually that was one of the things that left me in the beginning of this. I see. And um so um two things. Um, first of all, I tend to read for learn always have a learning book. Right. Right. Try to have something with my spiritual life. Um, and then always try to have something that's just a novel that right. gets my right. mind out of things. Right. So um, right now, I am reading How to Be an Anti-Racist, and I'm doing reading- Who's the a, author? Uh, oh, I can't- Okay, All right, we'll find it. Okay. Uh, yes, yep. very good book. Okay. Very challenging, but okay. it, it it really continues to emphasize that policies are where, th- where change can happen. I see, okay. It's very good. 
and uh, Christian and, or no? Uh, no, no. Um, I hit. I don't, well, or you don't know, not necessarily. It's not, not, the, yeah. not the point of view of the book. Right. Correct. Right. Um, the other book is called Draw a Circle. I don't know if you've read that book. And it's about a 40-day prayer time. Oh, Batterson's book? Yes. Yeah, and, no, I didn't um, read that. Yeah. So I'm in that. Um, one of our faculty members encouraged um, members of our community to do that. I started hearing about what they yeah. were experiencing. So I'm doing that as well and, awesome. and reading that. But the book that changed everything, this is going to sound so silly, and got me out of the I'm not reading, is called The Sweeney Sisters by Leon Dolan. It Mm. is a meaningless book, but it was the first hardback book I had purchased in a long time. Because you usually do audiobooks on planes in this. I do. And so I purchased it. It was a silly novel. I listened to her podcast, uh, She and Her Sisters, but it got my mind out. It's great. So, um, And that's what I'm realizing is... I need to have those books right now too that make me laugh and cry yeah. and and are just about life. You know, I um I think it's Joyce, if I'm saying her name right, Kearns Goodwin, the presidential historian. Yes. I I um took a you know an online class with her. It wasn't, you know, was that the on that master's class thing. But one thing she said that was so impressed kind of made me think of what you're saying. She said she studied the, the she did a class on these three presidents. I think it's TRF. FDR and um, read Lincoln. that book. Yeah, right. Um, whatever it's called. Yeah, leadership um, in uh, crisis. Le- it's a, okay. like a crisis leadership book of those three so, presidents. Yeah. So one thing she said, leadership I in turbulent times. Okay, was that one one of the common themes of these three leaders was that they knew how to get. To, to to experience some leisure. Yes. They, you know, whether it was, you know, at TR's, you know, kind of went out to the wild and his hunting trips to Africa mm-hmm. or whatever, but they knew how to take a break. They knew how mm-hmm. to refuel. Yeah. So that's such a great, that was, I, I thought that was so important. Sabbath, I guess, yeah. another yes, way of thinking absolutely. of it. So uh, we need to do that. Our, our listeners need to do that. Even college students need to do that, but certainly leaders mm-hmm. need to do that. Absolutely. Because um, we need to be able to have the room to to experience um, new thoughts and new ideas and um, grace. Yeah. Well, and margin. Yeah. Right? Because you can't, I mean, how do you hear from the Holy Spirit even, right? When we say we stop to hear what God might have from for That's right. us. How do you hear that if your mind is full and you can't find that rest? So right. I try to practice a Sabbath on uh, one day a week. It's great. Um, and there's been a part of this season where that wasn't really great. And because we'll say everyone in the state was working seven days a week. and um, right. but, but now back in that pattern where I really mm. do step away. It's great. Well, Dina, thank you so much for the time. Thank you for giving us time today. Thank you mm-hmm. for being a part of this. Uh, we, uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you as you Thank begin you. what's already your new year here in, in the month of August and look forward to seeing what happens in Roberts in 2021. Thank you, friends, for joining us and we look forward to continuing the conversation soon. 